I wonder if you've ever had an encounter with someone that really sticks in your mind. Maybe it was someone famous, maybe, uh, maybe it was something really unusual, uh, maybe it was something quite dramatic, uh, maybe it was life-changing, maybe it wasn't, maybe it was just something funny that you just remember. I um, had an encounter once with an international sporting team. Do you want to know about it? Okay, I'm going to tell you anyway. <laughs> Some mates and I decided that we wanted to go to the 2006 Melbourne Commonwealth Games. And we were only a couple of years out of grade 12, um, well, some of us. Um, some of us, you know, had our first jobs or at uni or whatever, and so we didn't have a lot of cash. So we had to go to all the really cheap sports. So we went to, like, badminton and squash and rugby. That was pretty cool, wasn't it, Morse? Um, and... Uh, and actually, we went to the swimming. Do you remember? Yeah, because uh, we walked outside the swimming stadium, and there was a gap in the stands where you could see the big screen. <laughs> and uh, we sat outside in the grass, and we watched the women's relay team break the world record. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> but uh, we got to, being the true blue patriotic uh, sporting nuts that we were, and still are, uh, we decided that we had to just go all out uh, in our support. We had to really... Um, take one for the country and step up and support our country with absolutely everything we had. So for the final event that we went to, uh, we got all dressed up. So we were on the train on the way into the venue and we got the green and gold face paint, half green, half gold, right down the face. Uh, we got the green and gold wigs, big curly hair wigs, had the big Aussie flags. Uh, we each had one of these. Um, for some reason, we decided to wear really short football shorts and singlets, I suppose just to be as Aussie as possible. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so we rock up. We rock up to the table tennis, and um, we decide that we're going to go all out here. So we rock up, and they're kind of partway through the match. We're going to support the Aussies. The Aussies were playing. It was a knockout tournament, so they had to win in order to get through. And um, we rock up, and we didn't kind of know this before, but apparently table tennis crowds are fairly um, placid. <laughs> and, and we had seats in the second row, and uh, the five of us Tasmanian teenagers had to, <laughs> in between, like while they're having a drinks break in the game, had to walk in front of everybody, all dressed up in our green and gold, with our Aussie flags, ready to rock, uh, and sort of parade in front of everybody and sit in the front row. And uh, anyway, we got a lot of looks, which I suppose was the point um, <laughs> when we think about it. But we decided, no, we're not going to let this stop us. We're going to keep going. We're going to do this. One thing we did was that we had these singlets, right? And this one I have not washed since. <laughs> so it's a little bit yellow and brown. And don't ask me what it smells like. But basically, well, there was five of us, and I keep looking at Mawson because we were there together. Uh, we had singlets, and we had drawn on the, on the singlets P-I-N-G exclamation mark. And then I was the I, and I had an O on my back. And so we would stand up in the crowd, and all together, and I was the I, and we'd start the chant. Ping, pong, ping. <laughs> 
pong, ping, pong, ping, pong, like this. They get the crowd really going. Now, <laughs> now I'm pretty sure there's a difference between ping pong and table tennis. <laughs> but hey, we went with it anyway. <laughs> and it worked a treat. We had the crowd absolutely pumping. We had the Aussie, Aussie, Aussies going and, and the Mexican wave and the crowd really started to lift and it was amazing. And uh, this crowd who started off kind of like this was ending up like on their feet, just cheering. And um, the Aussies who, when we were there, they started at Love 5. They were losing Love 5. The score started to change. 1-5. 2-5, 3-5, The Aussies were making a comeback, and it was us who did it. <laughs> and we had the crowd going. It was absolutely pumping, and, and um, it was loud. And you know how TV cameras have those little red lights that turn on when they're, when they're on? Um, every time the Aussies won a point, the camera that was suddenly pointed straight at us, the little light would turn on every single time to see what our reaction was, which only made us react stronger and bigger. And uh, anyway, we, we, I noticed uh, the team manager came over and sat in an empty seat in front of us. There were a few empty seats at the table tennis. Um, and, uh, and we thought, oh no, here we go. We've been a bit too rowdy. We didn't realise what the right thing to do was at the table tennis. Um, so we're going to be kicked out. You know, this is... Sad, but we, we, made it, we made it last. It was all right. And he, he said to me, can you keep it up? Can you keep going? The team's really responding, and you guys are awesome. Can you keep it up. Keep going. So I thought, all righty then. So we kept on going with the Mexican waves and the everything, get the crowd going. Six, five, seven, five, eight, five, nine, five, ten, five, and they win 11, five to get through to the gold medal match. Thank you, thank you, yeah. After the match, immediately after the match, the manager comes over to us and he says, hey, you guys were amazing. Wow, we've never had an audience like that before. That is absolutely phenomenal. The Aussie team has asked if you could please come and have a photo with them. And so, sure enough, so we, we followed them down. We um, got ushered through all the security and stuff and on the inside of the, the playing area. And um, sure enough, um, the Aussies had their arms around us and like this. And anyway, it was great fun. I think there's a photo of the Aussie team up there. We couldn't find, we, we asked around, we just couldn't find any of our photos. It was before the days of um, phone cameras. So we had no other evidence than my singlet, but you'll just have to believe me. Uh, that that happened. Now, I feel a little bit responsible for the fact that they didn't go on to win the gold because we couldn't make it the next day and uh, they only won silver. So, uh, who knows? We might make, might make a comeback in 2018 for the Gold Coast Games and go one better. <laughs> well, today we're starting a new series called Encounters and uh, we're going to talk about encounters uh, that people had with Jesus. Now, I wonder what encounter you can think of in your life. Maybe it was kind of silly like mine, it stands out. Maybe it was something really serious or dramatic. 
or um, I'm sure we've all had encounters that we remember and stand out uh, really clearly to us. Well, we're going to talk about some significant encounters that people had with Jesus through the book of Luke over the next few weeks. Today we're talking about an encounter that a Roman soldier had with Jesus. And just before we get into it and read the, the story, I'd like to invite my friend Zach to come and join me up here. He is a Roman centurion, and he is going to tell us all about Roman centurions and what they were like. Come on up, Zach. You look amazing. Let's welcome Zach to the stage. Look at this. This is very impressive. You've done a great job. You're so awesome. Hey, can you tell me why you like ancient Rome so much? What, what's so cool about it? interesting because for three quarters they believed in a false religion and they just killed Christians. Then for the last quarter of their whole entire lives, they were Christians. Yeah, that's pretty cool. That's pretty crazy, isn't it? Yep, crazy. Like the Vikings. Vikings. (laughs) Well, um, what sort of jobs and what sort of things did a centurion have to do back in the day? They had to protect their men, and they were responsible for everything they did. Like, if they misbehaved, they got in trouble too. Mm -hmm. And if um, the Roman legionnaires um, behaved well, the centurion would get rewarded. Uh Uh-huh, cool. And I see you brought, did you bring a hammer? Did you bring that? Yep. Why would you have a hammer? Why would a centurion have a hammer? Well, because legionnaires, they're called legionnaires for a reason. Because, mm-hmm. you know engineers? Mm-hmm. Um, a legionnaire is half soldier, half engineer. Ah, very interesting. So did they build stuff? Yep. Ah, cool. Alrighty. And what... What sort of person did a centurion or a Roman legionnaire have to be? Well, a brave or crazy person. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And last question. Why would uh, there would have been Roman soldiers around the same time as Jesus? Um, Because the Romans took over Israel and including destroying all of... Um, Jerusalem. Uh Uh-huh. All right. Well, that gives us a bit of background. Let's thank Zach. You did a great job, man. Great job. Thanks for being with us. You can head down now. Thank you. And I'm sure if anyone here has any questions about the Roman, ancient Romans, you can find Zach after the service and you can have a good chat, I'm sure. I'm sure he's probably pretty easy to spot. Well, let's get into this story. Uh, The story is found in Luke chapter 7, verses 1 to 10, and you can find it on your uh, Bible app. You can, if you're watching online, there's a little window that you can open and you can look up the Bible verse there, or it's going to be on the screen for everyone else. So let's read. When he finished speaking to the people, that's Jesus, he entered Capernaum. A Roman captain there had a servant who was on his deathbed. He prized him highly and didn't want to lose him. 
When he heard Jesus was back, he sent leaders from the Jewish community asking him to come and heal his servant. This tells us a little bit about what kind of guy the centurion was. See, firstly, he was compassionate. He had compassion on this servant of his. See, this servant was about to die. He didn't want to lose him. And uh, he would go out of his way to send messengers to find Jesus and to ask for Jesus' help. Okay? So let's keep reading. They came to Jesus and urged him to do it. This is the Jewish leaders saying, He deserves this. He loves our people. He even built our meeting place. Remember, the Roman soldiers uh, built things as well. So he was compassionate, but secondly, he was supportive. The Jewish leaders highly recommended this guy. Now, they had kind of a love-hate relationship with the Romans, the Jews, um, but they liked this guy, and this guy seemed to like them. They, he had supported them in the past, and um, he um, had even helped to build their synagogue, or their meeting place. Jesus went with them. When he was still quite far from the house, the captain sent friends to tell him, Master, you don't have to go to all this trouble. I'm not that good a person, you know. I'd be embarrassed for you to come to my house, even embarrassed to come to you in person. The next thing I can really spot in this story is uh, humility. Firstly, humility on the part of Jesus, because even though the centurion was a Gentile, that means a non-Jew, and Jewish customary law said that Jews weren't allowed to uh, touch Gentiles, let alone go into their house, um, despite this, Jesus was already on his way. Jesus had already decided to come to the centurion's place to help his servant. So Jesus showed humility by, um, by being willing to cross that kind of awkward cultural kind of um, boundary. But secondly, uh, there was humility on behalf of the centurion as well. The, did you notice what the centurion said? He kept on sending messengers to Jesus. Because the centurion was sensitive to the possible kind of awkwardness that Jesus might face in meeting him in person or coming to his house. And so he, um, even though it wasn't his culture, even though he may not have um, agreed or kind of understood really um, where Jesus was coming from, he, um, out of respect, uh, went out of his way to make sure that Jesus uh, didn't have to uh, put himself into a compromising position as far as his traditions and his values and his culture. So the centurion was humble as well. Let's keep reading. Just give the order and my servant will get well. I'm a man under orders. I also give orders. I tell one soldier, go, and he goes. Another, come, and he comes. My slave, do this, and he does it. See, the centurion knew how authority works. He knew how authority worked because he had authority. He could just say something and someone would do it. We have levels of authority too, don't we? Hey Siri, call Dad. Hey Siri, call Dad. 
Hey, Siri, call Dad. Hey, it worked. Okay. <laughs> There's a level of authority there. <laughs> I can tell Siri to do what I want her to do. She doesn't always listen, and she doesn't always understand what I say. Um, but I can say something, and generally she'll just she'll do do what I say. I can make something happen by just saying something. And the centurion understood this this level of authority. He could say something, and it would be done. But, you know, he wasn't at the top of his tree. He was only kind of halfway up. So he, had, he was under authority as well. He had, he had guys telling him what to do, that he had to sort of follow at the drop of a hat. So the centurion understood authority really well. He had authority and he was under authority. And he recognized that Jesus had authority in a similar way. He recognized that Jesus had authority over sickness. And with just, just a word, Jesus could heal someone. And it would be done, just like that. And he didn't even have to be physically uh, close by or, or anything. The centurion realized and understood that Jesus had the authority that from wherever he was, with just words only, he could heal his servant. And he didn't even have to come to his house. He didn't even have to touch him. He didn't have to do anything. With words only, he could heal. He had that kind of authority. Let's keep reading. Taken aback, Jesus addressed the accompanying crowd. I've yet to come across this kind of simple trust anywhere in Israel. The very people who are supposed to know about God and how he works. When the messengers got back home, they found the servant up and well. Do you notice the difference between the Jewish leaders and Jesus? At the start of the story, you'll remember that the Jewish leaders came to Jesus and they said of the centurion, he deserves this. He's been, he loves our people. He's helped build the meeting place. He, he deserves your attention and deserves for you to go and heal his servant. This is all they knew. This is for, for centuries beforehand, they had learned that in order to get God's favour, they had to earn it. They had to do things. They had to somehow deserve Jesus um, to come and heal his servant. And so they were putting up a case for him. And it was perfectly all right, wasn't it? He was a good guy. He kind of did great things. And uh, it would make sense for Jesus to kind of reflect that. And, but that's not what Jesus commented on afterwards, is it? At the end of the story, what did Jesus comment on? Jesus commented on his faith. He didn't just comment on his faith. He actually made a point to compare the centurion's faith to that of the Jews. I'm just kind of picturing the kind of awkward response when Jesus essentially kind of says, hey guys, this foreigner, this Gentile has more faith in your God than you do. 
you imagine the kind of... <laughs> of course, Jesus didn't say this to shame them or make them feel bad or whatever. That's not how Jesus rolls. That's not how, how he works. He doesn't come to bring shame on us. He comes to bring life. So Jesus was actually saying something else. He was saying, you guys know the old way of things. We have to do things and, and earn and deserve God's favor. But I'm ushering in a new way of doing things. And that it's faith, not merit, that will gain God's favor from now on. It's faith, not merit. So it doesn't matter if this guy is not a Jew. It doesn't matter um, if he's a person of social standing in the community or someone of authority or, or not, or someone who's wealthy or not, or someone who's healthy or not, because it's about faith and not merit anymore. It's about faith and not merit See, Jesus, this, this encounter with Jesus was actually a, a picture of what was about to happen on a much bigger scale, what Jesus was about to do. Jesus was about to do this for everyone. He was about to cross over that line and, and come to us even though we weren't perfect, even though we had differences, even though we didn't follow God's law to the T and get everything lined up and perfect. He was now willing to actually come to us if we had the faith that he would do that for us. Perhaps you might fall into one of the next sort of three categories. And, and if you do, we would love to pray for you and we would love to uh, meet you and just encourage you. And we would love to um, just explore it with you. The first one, perhaps you're a bit like the centurion. Perhaps you believe Jesus. But perhaps there's something stopping you from meeting him. Put it this way, do you, do you know what the centurion said? When he heard Jesus was coming to him, he said the Greek words, Gahikonos imi, which means, I am not enough. I am not enough. He said, I am not enough for you to come to me, Jesus. I am not enough for you to enter my house. I am not even enough to come to you in person. So I'm sending other people who are. Perhaps you feel like that today. Perhaps you believe Jesus. Maybe you have faith that he can heal, but perhaps you just feel that you're just not enough for him to come to you. And I think we all go through that from time to time. So if you're in that boat, we're going to sing a song in a, in a bit, and I invite you to come, come forward, and we're going to pray for you. We're going to have people here who can pray for you and encourage you. And we want to we just encourage you and put courage into you 
Because remember, it's not about how good we are. It's about how good He is. It's about faith and not merit. And besides that, by dying on the cross and raising from the dead, He made us enough. We are actually enough now through what He did for us on the cross. So if you feel like you need encouragement in that, then during the song, why don't you come down and we'll pray for you. The second group of people that we'd really like to pray for. Perhaps you just needed a reminder today that Jesus had authority over sickness. Perhaps you just needed a reminder of that, that that with a word, He could heal. And with a word, He still can heal. Because we believe that Jesus rose from the dead and He's still alive. And He might not be here in person, but remember, He can heal with a word regardless of physical proximity. He can heal with words. And in addition to that, we believe we have the Holy Spirit with us. So there should be absolutely no doubt in our minds that Jesus can heal. So if you needed a reminder of that today and and you would like prayer for any kind of healing or needs today that you might have, we're going to have our prayer team or people of our prayer team here down the front. And again, during this song, why don't you come and we can pray for you. Or you might even, like the centurion, want to ask Jesus for healing on behalf of somebody else. And that's okay too. Maybe you want uh, to pray. Maybe you want us to pray with you about about somebody else. Maybe you want to do what the, the centurion did and kind of and ask Jesus for help on behalf of somebody else. And we're willing to do that for you as well. And thirdly, if you're just exploring with us today, and perhaps you don't even know if Jesus is real or God is real or you're not even sure of what all this is and what it means, but you're interested to find out more or you have questions, then uh, we would love to invite you to Alpha. We're doing an Alpha course in February and it's just a really relaxed atmosphere. It's free. You get free food. It's, it explains everything in really easy to understand language. You can bring your questions. You can bring your doubts. You can bring whatever you have about Jesus or um, being a Christian. And uh, we can journey with that through you. I'm going to be doing it this time. So I'd invite you to come and do it with me. Come and join me. And I'd love to journey through Alpha with you. Or even better, if you came here with a friend this morning, bring them. Drag them along. Alpha is always better with a friend. So come along and uh, join that. If you want to find out more about that, you can speak to me or Daryl or um, there's going to be people out in the foyer with the um, alpha sign and you can find out more info there. As we sing this song, if you're in one of those three categories, I invite you to come and we're going to pray for you. Invite the prayer team to come forward as well and we're going to be ready to pray for you in whatever you would like. Um, But let me pray just before we do that. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you that throughout these stories of encounters with you, You continually give us a glimpse of what you do and what you did. You died for us. You rose again. And you 
change the old way of things into a new way of doing things where it is faith and not merit that matters. Lord, we thank you that throughout all the encounters that we read of of Jesus healing people, not one of them, he says, go, your good deeds have healed you. He doesn't say, go, your humility and compassion have healed you. They're all great things. But he demonstrates and he tells us that it's faith that matters. It's faith in Jesus that really matters. So Lord, we thank you that you've done this for us. We continue to be amazed that you can offer that to us even though we are so imperfect and that we can come to you as imperfect people. We don't have to be perfect in order to come to you. That you're willing to come to us uh, if we have faith in you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.